Hello and welcome to the Caffeinated Creators Podcast, the podcast that gives you a glimpse into the lives of rising video and TV creators. I'm your hydrated host, Jake Zebley, drinking a cup of coffee and a cramped sound booth in the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University with today's guest. Before I let him speak, let me give you a rundown of who our guest is. Our guest is a senior media studies and production major with a minor in sports management at Temple University. He is an aspiring television writer and producer who for the past semester was a content producer for the hour-long award-winning sports production Inside the Nest. On top of producing Inside the Nest, in the summer of 2018, he was the executive assistant and development coordinator for an unscripted and comedy television production company. He's the incoming talent and development intern at Comedy Central in Los Angeles, California. He wants to make you laugh. I mean, if you want to, that's up to you. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Max Merkin. Thanks so much for having me on, Jake. It's Absolutely. great. It's, great it's a to pleasure. Be here. Thanks yeah, for coming I'm, in, man. I'm excited. How's your day been so far? It's been good. We're in a weird, I'm, I'm kind of winding down here at Temple, so I have five days left until I move back to Los Angeles. So I'm kind of crazy, man. I have a, a lot of pages to get through for a screenwriting class, and I'm moving out of my apartment. So How many pages? Uh, it's a 22 to 30 page script. I have 10 written, but I don't like any of them. So I think I'm going to rewrite the 10 that I have, and I probably have to do 10 to 15 more pages of, of background work. So I would say, if we're being honest, 40 pages and a full apartment to move out. So I'm good. I'm a little stressed, but things are good. How's your day been? It's been pretty good. Uh, there was just a tour of high school students that came through the studio, and oh, I was nice. hanging out with Professor Jeroff and Assad, helping kind of hype up the studios. Were you? Yeah. I. Whenever I see groups like that, I mean, if, if they're inclined, if they come through Annenberg, I'm obviously very gracious, and I, I want people to be in our school. But if they're in, like, the Tech Center or walking down Montgomery, I... Uh, I always wonder what the funniest thing to say or, like, what I could say to them to get them to go to Temple. I always want to mess with those groups. I always, whether it be, I, it's always actually when they come through Annenberg. Or mm-hmm. if, like, I'm just in the studio working, like, this past semester when I was getting Update Now ready, I would just say, like, hey, come to Temple. It's awesome. Just, like, you know, like, you see the kids working and then you never interact with them. Yeah, I know. So I, like, whenever I see people, like, there's there's the same tour path that tours take at Temple. So whenever I'm walking past a tour on my way out of work or out of this building... I uh, I just always want to th- I think about yelling, you're making the right choice or just something like, you know, get them excited, get them laughing. But uh, those things are tough, man. I, I took a tour of Temple here when I was a junior in high school and I didn't even I don't think my family made it through. I think we were we were done and we, we left the tour at the bookshop. We were over it. So those are tough. I, I definitely uh, I definitely think about ways to make them easier. But yeah, no, things are good. Winding down here at Temple. Have you had lunch yet? I know we, you were just discussing your writing. I have not. I was going to it at my. I work at the College of Engineering, and they had this this big event with a whole deli platter. And if I had stayed a little longer, I probably could have gotten food. But I I have some lunch plans with old roommates, so uh, I have not eaten yet. I'm I'm starting to think about it. I got to be honest with you. What are you gonna get at Maxie's? I'm not sure. I'm not gonna do pizza. This whole finals week is just bogged down with free pizza. Yes. I know that that's free Philly style to be specific. Yeah, usually. and I know that that's such a vain complaint, but. After a few days straight of eating the same kind of lukewarm free pizza, you get you get over it, man. So I'm I am tired of, of pizza uh, for really the first time at my at my time at Temple. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I do like their chicken. I'll probably go something like that. I don't go to Maxie's a lot. It's a really popular pizza joint on campus, and for whatever reason, it just never it never became my spot. I really like their fries. Okay, good, good tip. Like I, I the, might the temple fries; those are my favorite. I might, like the I bacon, might bacon cheese fries. Check them out, bacon cheese fries. Man, that's that's worse than pizza. That's like, <laughs> that is heavy stuff. But I'll I'll look into it. I'll see what they got. 
So you were just talking about you're moving back home. I am. Uh, so tell me a little bit about where you're from, which you, you know, yeah. where you went to high school. And... I, uh, I'm from Santa Monica, California, which is the westmost city in Los Angeles, California. Um, it was a great place to grow up. I, I loved every second of it. I'm a huge fan of, of it still. Uh, I think coming to Temple and, and coming 2,700 miles away to Philadelphia really helped that. I, I, you know, they always say you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. I, I couldn't agree with that more in this case. So... I grew up in Santa Monica, still live in the same house that I grew up in, um, went to Santa Monica High School, among other public schools around Santa Monica growing up, and when it came time for college, I, I knew about Temple, my father went here, I rooted for the teams growing up, but I wanted to go into media, and this was really the most accessible media program in a big city, which I didn't want to give up moving from Santa Monica or L.A., so I came here and uh, have gone back for breaks since, and over the summers I'll work in L.A., and Temple has a study away program that lets students go to bigger markets, you know, bigger than Philadelphia. There's yeah. not many, but yeah. big markets across the country uh, to kind of get a head start, get an internship, take classes. So I am doing that program in Los Angeles. I don't think it's very common for students to go back home for that, but I do know that they have a New York program, Chicago, D.C., so I'm sure it's not unprecedented. But yeah, I'm going home, living at home for a semester, interning and taking two classes, and then I'll come back here to graduate. So it's pretty weird. I, you know, I'm not done quite yet with Philly, but I'm almost there. But you're close. I'm close. So you said you've just always been interested in media. Um, like in high school, did you do anything that was media related or? Sort of. I, uh, I've always been interested in media because of my father. My dad works as he's a game show producer, so he's worked in TV his whole career. What and, are some of the shows my that whole he's life. Done? Personally, uh, I'm not sure if you if you if you're not a game show buff. I don't know if you'd recognize them. He worked at the company that brought, um, I guess, the biggest claim to fame. He worked for the company that brought American Idol over from England to the U.S. Um, and was there for sort of the start of that show. There's a company called Fremantle Media, and okay. they've done yeah. a, a lot of show, a lot of sort of reality competition shows like that. I think they did Fear Factor. Um, not that he did, but the company. So that was his biggest one. The biggest show that he produced himself was a big money game show for Fox. It's called Greed, and it aired, I think it was 2000, 2001. Um, but he's been all over the place for a ton of different companies and a ton of different shows my whole life. And that gave me sort of the access to the industry, and, and that got me interested early on. But I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. His connections got me to talk to a couple of sports broadcasters, and that felt like the the best route to take. I was a big sports fan. I knew I wasn't a good athlete, so I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Favorite sport? Baseball. Growing up, it was baseball. Since then, basketball and football have crept closer. But uh, I knew I wanted to go into media. When I got to high school, there was not a ton of options. I know out here, there's like a ton of TV production classes in high school. That was never a thing. That's surprising. In my high school. I know. It's, it's really surprising. I, I, I was surprised to know that that was a standard, honestly. When I came out here, a roommate of mine worked for his high school video production class. And that was his favorite class and his favorite teacher. And I never knew of or had anything like that. We had, when I was actually in middle school, we had a student TV station that would put on like digital shorts and uh, would broadcast the morning announcements. So that was a big deal. I went on that once, but never got involved. When I got to high school, I did the yearbook staff. I was, I eventually became the managing and copy editor of the yearbook. So I, I've always been around writing but there was no other media. I, when I was a senior, I was the public address announcer for a football team. So I did that, but that was just in-game yeah. announcing, you know, just because I wanted to sit behind a microphone selfishly. So 
There was no media that really pushed me to this. I just kind of knew deep down that I wanted to go into TV production and or sports broadcasting. No, I think Jimmy Freeze talked about this. I mean, I know he has his podcast, and yeah. um, I've heard this story. I think I might have read, um, there was somebody who was writing an article about him, but he talked about how when he was like a kid, he would turn off the audio on sports broadcasts and just, you know, commentate the game himself as Call if he games, was on TV. Yeah. So is that something that you did or something? is there something like no, that and, that you did? And honestly, it's, a funny, it's funny you bring that up because I think that was a, a conscious choice. I knew of that method. I, I loved and I've always loved listening to interviews with people, um, especially people that I revere or people that have done work that I like. And I heard an interview with John Miller, who at the time was an ESPN Sunday Night Baseball announcer, but now is the San Francisco Giants radio announcer. And he said that when he was a kid, he would go to the, into the stands. He would go into the bleachers where no one was sitting and he would get a tape recorder and he'd call the game. And so I knew of that, but I don't think I ever tried it. I think the reason when I was 12, and I knew I wanted to go into sports broadcasting. I got involved with uh, an organization called, I think it was called Kid Star Radio. It was based out of Arizona, and they had a couple of contracts with some of the West Coast teams where they would let 12-year-old kids announce a game, and they would broadcast it online. And so I did that. I don't, I think I got involved with that through a mutual friend, and they had a program with the Dodgers. So when I was 12, I actually announced parts of two Dodgers games in a press box at Dodger Stadium, which wow. was a, a very meaningful opportunity. And I think they still do it. It's like called the Junior Dodgers program now or something, and they let kids do this. But it was a little more discombobulated when I was there, so I just kind of got in easily called two games. I did that for hockey, too. I called an Anaheim Ducks game, and I want to say two then Phoenix, but now Arizona Coyote games. So I guess the reason I didn't do that is I had some experience, and I knew what it was like. And I guess I didn't feel the need to at the time. But I do remember whenever I would go to games, my father points this out. I would get very quiet. And I guess I would announce in my head. I would just okay. sort of think about how I would mm-hmm. call the game. But I never did like the, you know, mom and dad watching, turn the volume down kind of thing. Um, and I don't know why. I really, it's, it's funny you bring that up. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. But, yeah, I never, I knew about it. And just it wasn't for me. I guess I was a, kind of a shy kid. So that felt uncomfortable, perhaps, and uh, it, more so when I started at Temple, okay. more so comfortable. But yeah, I uh, I now can could do it and do it for friends sometimes if we're hanging out watching a game or a Temple basketball game, and I know the players. But uh, no, my main reps came at Temple. So right, uh, kind of right during when we first uh, began talking, you said you started looking at colleges, you know, um, you know, big media cities. Yeah. Um, what made you choose Philadelphia and, and Temple as a whole? Like, what, what was the deal breaker? I can't, I gotta be honest, I can't say that I chose Philadelphia so much because I liked it here. I had been here. I came to tour Temple my junior year. So I saw Philly and we were here for maybe four days, my family and I, my parents, my sister, and I came out. Um, I toured the campus, I even toured Annenberg. So I liked Temple and there was a, a palpable feeling to being on Temple's campus. People were. Maybe not excited. It was pretty cold out and raining when I was here. But people were wearing the, the hats and the shirts, and they they were proud to clearly be at Temple. There was a lot going on and a lot changing, and I liked that. I liked that the campus and the school was actively improving. To me, that there was something to that in high school, that I wanted to be a part of a, of a rising ship instead of necessarily an established one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Philly itself, I just knew had sports and... 
an airport. You know, like I just knew that it was a big city and that I would be okay getting around and there would be things that I would enjoy about it. It it took me actually coming here to fall in love with the city. But it was it was Temple because Temple had I didn't know quite what I wanted to do and Temple had a really diverse set of programs. There was Al Sports Update, which I knew could help me in sports production. But there was a media studies and production program that wasn't only broadcast journalism. And there was a sport management program, which I knew I wanted to sort of check out. And I, I have and will get my minor in that. So it was really that. It was really the, the opportunities that Temple presented in Philadelphia. But I, I think I applied to six other schools. And none, none really ever had a shot like Temple did. San Francisco State was my backup. When people okay. say, "What did you, what did you not pick?" That's what I answer. That was probably the the closest number two option. But I never felt like I was going there. I never felt a connection to, to that university. Uh, I I really only felt one here, and okay. so it was a pretty easy choice, honestly. That's great to hear. Yeah. No. I. I my dad, who went here and is a big Owls fan. Definitely wanted me to go here, but my parents were very good about being sort of supportive of whatever I wanted. Uh, he was definitely excited more so yeah. than my mother when I said I wanted to go here. She's a big fan of San Francisco. Um, but, no, I, I, I couldn't have been happier with the three and a half years I've had here. I really couldn't have been. When you got moved into Temple, um, so, I mean, like, you know, it goes through freshman orientation yep. and everything. Um, what was, like, the, I mean, moving as a new citizen to Philadelphia, yeah. what was one of the first things that you did within the city? Just like leisure, leisure yeah, activity. Yeah. South Street um, was one of the first places I went with my roommates. I don't know why. It's it's a big shopping. Yeah, it's, yeah, I it's... guess so. I I can't I can't I can't picture which roommate knew about it and why we went. But we went down to South Street one day. Maybe my my roommate Kevin is a big drummer, and so we okay. could have gone to. There's a music store on South Street called Bridge Set Sound that we go to a lot still. And so that was probably why, if I could think of a reason. Um, but we went down to South Street and loved it. I mean, we, we spent a few hours down there. That was the first place where I was like, this is this is really cool. Um, the first time I saw City Hall up close was also kind of that, oh, this, this city's got really wild buildings and, and architecture and um, a really crazy kind of uh, atmosphere. And so South Street was the first thing. I think we went down to the sports complex not far after that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, South Philly, for whatever reason, was a big impact on me. But um, that was the first thing. I just remember driving up to Temple. That was a big kind of trip, seeing the whole city as you kind of go just up Broad Street. It's a pretty – and seeing the big Morgan Hall T. It's kind of a wild trip. So um, that was what it was vividly sticks out. But South Street is the consistent – the consistent spot we still go to. So when you got to Temple, what was the first activity that you did? The first like media oh, thing man. that you got involved the with? For um, WHIP Radio, I think they do a they do a meeting at the beginning of the semester. I think even before classes start. Where they, yeah, it's, they, I, they, I think it's called the Beat. I oh, is that is that what it is? Yeah, I, you're probably right about that. Um, where they gather all the media outlets, and yeah. so that was the first exposure I had when I was on campus, and then. Um, I think I joined the radio station within the first week I was on campus because they needed an engineer for broadcast. So I started doing that, and I joined Owl Sports. But WHIP Radio was my first stop, the first outlet I saw here. And what did you do? I mean, you they had the engineering spot. Yeah, um, they needed an engineer for football broadcast, which was a real BS job. I just sat in the studio and 
pressed a few buttons and made sure that their remote feed bounced back to our studio feed and would go out to our listeners, all of our listeners. Uh, and so I did that for a year. I missed every football game. I sat in that studio for five, five-ish hours because of pregame shows and stuff. And because I did that grunt work, they let me on air twice a week doing sports talk radio. And I just sort of stumbled into a group of guys that I really liked, and we had a good show for, for a semester. And I guess I guess that put me on the air for like 60 hours my, my first semester on campus. The first 30 were probably really bad, but the second 30 were fine and built my way up there to eventually announce for the football and basketball teams, play-by-play. Play. That's awesome. So, yeah, that was the dream. That was what I came here to do, that job. And I did it, and it was great, and I decided it wasn't for me professionally. But that was what I came here to do. That was my main goal was to call play-by-play for the football and basketball teams. And uh, WHIP Radio gave me that shot. So then outside of uh, WHIP, you moved into um, like all of the productions here. Yeah, at Al TV. Sports. So uh, how did you get your foot in with that? Sure. You do? I, uh, I started here as a freshman the way all volunteers do. I just came to this the first informational meeting. They put me on a team, and I showed up to those meetings. And the first thing I was asked to do was floor direct. That was the only thing I did for an entire semester was just floor direct for like eight of the, I guess we, we did less shows than that, probably five of the seven episodes. Um, and that got my foot in the door. People knew my name a little bit. I was okay at it, but I never did anything on camera. I never got close to really what Al Sports is. I just mm-hmm. did one job and, and stuck around and saw how they produced the show. My spring semester, I had busier classes, so I wasn't around here as much. And then the fall of my sophomore year, I actually left Alice Boris to try to produce a sitcom for TUTV um, about college students. I did it for a class credit. I think I had three credits. Paul Gluck, who's the GM of TUTV, oversaw it, and he let me try it out, and it failed miserably. I mean, Jake, you've never seen a show fail this bad. It was, it was not good. I don't even know if I've seen the final cuts of it because it was so draining and difficult, but was what? it was it like the production or was it the writing like what what it was made both it? I just, first of all I didn't know I didn't know how to write a script okay in by at my sophomore point so the script was not good and when the script is bad a lot of problems come from that but yeah it was the production it was it was having to deliver something for a grade that was very stressful and mm-hmm. and yeah it it was having to corral a volunteer army you know it was having yeah. to sure. to get people who weren't getting paid weren't getting credit were probably not even getting something for their real hey, can you show up for, you know, three 12-hour days? Can you show up to these weekly meetings? You know, that's just difficult. And so I think everyone just kind of got burned out by the logistics so that when, once we got to shooting the thing, we were kind of pigeonholed time-wise and location-wise. But it, it was just a, a mess, and it was my fault. I, I, I thought I knew enough to, to produce that show, and I didn't. But at the time, I was offered the role of play-by-play announcer for the Temple football team, and because I knew Matt Bevanor, who was my color commentator, who was an anchor inside the nest, they needed an anchor, and Matt Fine asked me if I would kind of return to anchor. So that's how I came back to Al Sports. I really don't think if it were for that, I would not, I would have not come back. I, I would not have made it back to Al Sports. Um, it was too stressful for me. Okay. Building packages, it just wasn't my skill set, and I didn't want to take the time to learn. I'm a stubborn person. So I anchored for really, you know, two semesters, one for a live hour-long show a week and one for, like, a digital show we would upload to YouTube. It was uh, Courts and Session, Courts right? and Session. It was a basketball show, the short-lived Courts and Session. It was one semester long. R.I.P. R.I.P. It was a ton of fun, though, and 
that really showed me like, hey, you know, there's more there's more than just doing this on camera stuff. Um, but I was thinking of quitting. I, I was burned out. I gave a year to anchoring and, and announcing and all my time was spent doing that. And it was a really stressful year kind of personally. And, and so I just burned out and I was planning on quitting everything, all sports production that I did. And Matt Fine, who's the Al Sports Advisor, told me, you know, you can do something because you enjoy it. You don't mm-hmm. have to do it because you want to pursue it professionally, which is good advice and advice that anyone should take. So I came back to produce Inside the Nest. I've, I've bounced all over. I never had to make a package. Uh, I did for the class. I took the Al Sports yeah. class. But other than that, never had to, like, make a package, do the, the general buildup through Al Sports that people do. Um, so, yeah, I had a very circuitous route to producing. But... I'm glad that I did. It showed me a lot about how to manage a team. I mean, you know, uh, staff of 10 people and anchors that are worried about how they're going to look on camera. And um, Very well handled, I must say. Thank you. I appreciate that. And graphics, you know, that needed to be done, which, which you handled perfectly throughout the semester. So, yeah, it, 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 it showed me more about people and working with people in TV than maybe it did sports production. If you asked me to produce a sports show, I now could. Mm-hmm. But... I think I learned more about, you know, being the general of an army, of a volunteer army. Some people were getting class credit, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience, and I'm glad that I had it. Do you do any other activities outside of any media? Do you do like any club sports? Any anything? I don't. Like that? I really don't. Um, this this semester inside the nest took up most of my most of my life. I have a job at the College of Engineering, just as like an assistant in the dean's office. So um, that takes up 15 hours a week. And with classes and everything else, that that's really that was really it. And that was one of the reasons I initially wanted to get out, is that I, I felt like I had no personal time. But you know, you don't need it in college. You can you can take <laughs> it once you graduate. So, yeah. um, I would say if I had the time, I would focus just more on personal writing okay. and and uh, I guess research. But I feel like I don't watch or read enough anymore now that I've been producing the show. So I'm excited to get back to that. Taking a step back from all of this, from mm-hmm. radio, from TV, sure. from, uh, you know, like, kind of, I don't know, this might be included, but um, almost separate from, like, your dad, like, getting yeah. you in the industry. What keeps you doing broadcasting right now? Why, why are you going to Comedy Central? Why did you do OSU this semester? Yeah. I, I, I just love TV, man. I love the medium so much. I don't know why. There's a lot of reasons I could point to as to where I got this passion, but at, at some impressionable age, I was shown something where I was like, I, I got to be doing this. And sports broadcasting was probably a subconscious shield for wanting to perform in some way. Um, I don't think I want to do that anymore. But when I started college, I was interested in stand-up comedy and interested in obviously broadcasting and being on TV. Um I still like doing that, and the performance aspect of calling games is is an adrenaline that I don't get elsewhere, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I want to do that so much, and I think I was sort of lying to myself about wanting to go into production because sports production felt safe to me. It felt like something people knew that I liked, people would understand me wanting to do, and it felt like something I knew how to do, but it wasn't what I truly loved, and that's just TV. That's just making and watching and analyzing television. So uh, I stay in it because I, I love the medium and I want to learn as much as I can about it. So producing a, you know, producing Al Sports, I guess we'll call it Inside the Nest, this semester, really showed me what a studio 
a live studio production is like. The you know every every other experience I had was on one side of the camera. I don't know what it what it takes to produce a show, and so this semester really taught me that. So that's why I stayed in Al Sports. Comedy Central is more aligned to the future, to what I would like to get into, and that's comedy television. Um, but yeah, I, I some people watch football players make a great play, and they think I would like to make that play. Some people watch, um, you know, lawyers in court and say I could I could litigate that way, and and I just watch TV and think I wish I could have written that. I wish I could have put that together. How did they do that? You know, I I take it like that. So if you find anyone that's obsessed with anything, you know, any kind of profession, I would say I'm no different. Mine is just pretty expansive, and so. Um, so I just love TV and, and love everything about it. I want to work in it my whole life. You were talking about the adrenaline rush for, Mm -hmm. uh, commentating. Do you have that same kind of rush before like producing? So like you're standing at that secondary producer stand. I don't, I only have it for the hour we're live. I, uh, I would say there's not, there's more anxiety to, and stress to building out the show. I would say that I put in about... I would say I put in about 30 hours of work on each show. Uh, And so the first 29 are really stressful and anxious and you're worried you're going to miss something. And in my role, I wasn't doing one thing. I was sort of making sure five things got done. So I was emailing you about graphics and making sure that, you know, you were comfortable making what you did. I had to make sure that all the video elements were in the show. I didn't edit them. That was... Jimmy Paroli oversaw that on our show, but I had to make sure they were there and that the writing was done and that the anchors felt okay and the rundown was... And so five things kind of balancing in your head really drains you. It stretches your brain out. Mm-hmm. So there's no adrenaline in that. You know, I, if anything, I could have used some to stay awake to write, <laughs> but there is definitely, definitely adrenaline in being in a control room for a live show. There, There's, uh, just like there is to a live broadcast, just like there is to, to anything live, there's such an adrenaline to it to the point when you're exhausted because of your pre-production work that when you get into the studio, you're not tired until like 1.30 after our show ends and you start to come down from the adrenaline. You're like, oh man, this I have six more hours on campus. Uh-huh. You know, that kills you. But you definitely get it for a live show. Um, I, I think we joked that it would have been funny to put a camera in the control room because I would get so pumped up at certain moments, especially if like for our half hour show, when we didn't have a press conference, we did a half-hour show, and we, we pretty much nailed that show. Yeah. And so once we finished it, once we ended and tossed to the final break, that was like adrenaline. That was like scoring a touchdown. Um, but no, I don't get it. I don't get it elsewhere. You know, it's it's a live performance-type aspect. And when you're producing, it's not quite there because you're rooting for someone else to succeed. Yeah. When you're doing, when you're actually on desk and you, you get a read right, and you're like, man, I nailed that, and you're flowing into the next block, that feels good. That's an, an unmatched feeling. So let's talk about where you're going. Um, you talked about Comedy Central a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, where was or talk about the company uh, for the uh, last this, summer? This, yeah, this yeah. Past summer. Um, I worked for. I've worked twice for this company actually. For it's a company called Ugly Brother Studios. It's based in Los Angeles. Um, Two great producers started their own production company after um, long careers in different parts of TV. They're twin brothers, hence the name, Ugly Brother Studios. Uh, and they 
hired me as an intern two summers ago, really as a favor. They just said, yeah, you can kind of come see how the office works. They did pay me, which was incredible. And I just did a lot of research and kind of observed how they ran their company, them being the two producers and the, the co-presidents, Tim and Mike Duffy, who run the company. And uh, I was initially last summer looking for kind of I don't want to say better internships, but internship programs, programs within a bigger company like what I'm doing in the in the spring. And I struck out. Looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no experience. There was nothing that would have given me a leg up on my competitors for these jobs. And I was sort of out of luck. I was applying to regular, you know, kind of menial jobs um, anywhere I could get them. And they gave me a call and said, you know, we we want to bring you in as our assistant to just sort of help us out. They were transitioning offices and, and kind of shifting from one focus to another. Can you help us out and sort of answer the phones? And that turned into running their schedules in the office as well as um, sort of their development efforts into new shows and new ideas. So that's what I did last summer. It got me the job at Comedy Central. They've worked with Comedy Central and put me in touch there. Very nice. It was great. It was good experience. I would recommend to anybody that is looking to get into any kind of television to work for a production company. If it's news, you know, it's a little tougher. There are not many companies that mass produce the news. But yeah. work for a company that that makes the sausage. See how things happen because, especially if you're still in college, there are things that I learned doing that job that I got to practice at Al Sports Update because I knew how to produce a certain way or, um, you know, feed anchors lines a certain way. Things that you pick up. So it was incredibly beneficial. And I hate that they say this to us too much, Jake, but in in Klein and in the School of Media Communication, they say it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Mm-hmm. And you roll your eyes every time, but it's so true. Very true. I mean, it's really the only way to move up is who you know. So thankfully, they, they got me another position elsewhere. If not, I would have gone back and worked for them. Um, two really good producers that are focused on making the comedy genre a lot different kind of moving forward, and that that's something that excites me. What are some of the things that you're working on right now, outside of internships, obviously? Just but personally. Just projects. Um, I mean, you talked about sure. the script, but yeah, any I, other projects that you're working on? I'm always trying to write. Um, that could be anything. That could be notes on something I listen to or see. I like to. That's my new thing is if I'm listening to a podcast or watching a, a TV show or a movie, I have a notebook next to me. I'll take notes on things that I like. Um, so that takes up some time, but mostly just sort of figuring out what script I want to write. You need kind of a sample to get writing assistant and writing jobs um, in the future, and so I I need an original sample. So I'm working on that now, Um, a spec script of just, you know, various shows to put together a portfolio so that hopefully if I do well at Comedy Central or somewhere down the road, someone says, can we see what you've written? I'll have something there for them. Um, Also just would love to cut together a reel of some of the stuff I've gotten to do sports-wise at Temple. So yeah, those are the two the two big ones. You're going into Comedy Central and you want to do comedy writing and production. production. Yeah. So uh, is that ultimately where you want to end up or just talk to me about where... As in at, at that company, is that where I'd yeah, like to Comedy end up? Yeah, Comedy Central or um, just talk about like where you want to end up. I wouldn't necessarily want to end up at Comedy Central. I'm not sure if I even want to end up at a network. Um, at this point, I would like to eventually write, to write and then eventually produce shows. Um, the dream is to be a, a comedy showrunner of some kind. So at this point, I think I would like to get a job with a production company or a production with a show 
um, to sort of see the inner workings of how a show gets developed because I've done it a lot from the office side. I know how companies develop and how the industry works, but I would like to see the inner workings of, of shows specifically. So that's where I'd like to go next. I think obviously I'd take anything Comedy Central gives me, and if, if they have another opportunity, great. Um, I have certainly not turned down the idea of working for a company and developing stuff for a company, but I think I would want to be a little more on the ground, a little more, mm-hmm. um, you know, with people producing on the creative side, so yeah. it's more than the business side of things. Now it is your time. You have the mic. Have the mic. You're going to address, as I call my listeners, my my five dedicated listeners. Who ca- are they? You know them all. The caffeinators. That's why I caffe- I like that. The that's caffeinators. Cool. That's my fan base. So this is your time to speak to, to, to the caffeinators. Speak to the caffeinators about anything you'd like. All right. Well, if we're on the subject of caffeine, I have found that I get very jittery drinking coffee after two p.m. Um, so those those of you listening that are also caffeinated, I know Jake is drinking a cup of coffee. I'm yes. not. I, I wish I had known to bring one. Coffee uh, not included. Coffee, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Unfortunately, come on. Sorry, we're, uh, this is a budget. It's production. all good. Yeah, there. I I understand. There's not room in the budget for coffee. So that's my my first tip is don't drink coffee after two p.m. My second is um, what I've learned so far is at at Al Sports and really in in the entertainment industry is uh, it's all about pretending you know what you're doing nobody knows what they're doing seriously on any level they pretend that they do and the wealthiest and most successful people in the industry are great at pretending they know what they're doing but nobody knows and you just have to pretend with them if that's uh, on a granular level in college you have to pretend like you know you're doing the job that you're doing and you, you have to learn it now if that's t- technical directing for a show and you don't know what you're doing and they expect you to maybe not the smartest call no but if it's, you know, if it's something that you can research, if it's something that you can run with, even if you're not sure you know how, do it. My, my father likes to say selling a TV show is like selling smoke in a bucket. You're selling an idea. You're selling something that is not made yet. You're just selling, you know, the figment of somebody's imagination. So fake it. You know, pretend that you know what you're doing until you do, and you probably will never learn. You know, I'm sure that news anchors know how to anchor a show. It's not quite like that, but, you know, major TV executives don't know what is and isn't funny. They look to the audience for that. They look to their staff for that. No one knows what they're doing. You just have to pretend like you do. So that's what I've learned, and that's what I think the most helpful tip would have been in college is just if someone asks you if you know how to do things and you've got time to figure it out, say you do. That's all I've got. Very well said. Unless it's like, you know hey, we need someone to shoot this package, and you've never turned on a camera before. That's kind of a problem. It's, gonna go, it's not going to go well. Yeah. You're not going to be able to fake that. But technical, technical stuff is tough. Uh, more, what should we call it, developmental stuff is easier. Floor directing. I had no idea how to floor direct the first show. They said, does anyone know how? I said, yeah. They said, really? I said, yeah, I did it in high school. I said, great. Put me on. No idea what I was doing. But the second show, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. There you go. We did not mess up that first show because I... I floor directed, let me just say. They said, good job to me after. That's awesome. It's sort of that job where if you don't mess up, they don't realize you did a you did a job. They just, you, you know, you did well. And if you're yep. a freshman, they'll congratulate you. So to those caffeinators that, um, is that what we're calling yes, them? Yes, the God caffeinators. nailed it. Uh, for those of you at Temple that are listening to this, you know, pretend, 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 pretend. And uh, that's how you'll 
I guess, stumble into the right answer. Returning back to uh, caffeine and coffee. Hit me. How many cups of coffee do you think you've had in your life? My life? Not many. Under 200. Okay. I, uh, I didn't start drinking until college, really, man. Like, I, a couple times in high school when I was really tired, but I hated the taste. When I started working early shifts at the College of Engineering, I would I would make a cup for myself. But over the summer, actually, at Ugly Brother Studios, I, I started on a bad trend where I'd get, uh, get purchase a cup of coffee every morning. And uh, when I wouldn't have it, I would, I would feel withdrawal. So I stopped. I, I quit cold turkey. And now I probably do it like drink one cup of coffee every couple weeks. Okay. I can't say I'm well caffeinated. Drink a lot of soda. Okay, that's what Not I was going to ask. Is, but, is uh, but yeah, I do get caffeine elsewhere. What's your caffeine vice at soda? It's, so. Yeah, it's it's Coca-Cola, man. If I'm if I'm feeling kind of tired, I, I won't put a cup of coffee down. I'll, I'll, I'll buy a Coke somewhere. Okay. So there you go. So if you had to put a number on how many coffees you've had, just like a, a rough ballpark. Uh, you know, 200 seems low. I would say 350. Okay, normally, normally we crunch the numbers if you're on some sort of schedule. Like you say, you started in college. Sure. Um, but um, we'll, we'll go with that. How many have you said, how many do you think you've had in your life? Oh, you turned the mic on me. I did. Well, I didn't turn the mic. The mic stayed where it I was, <laughs> but figuratively speaking. We switched chairs. Uh, I don't, I've never done the math for me. Do you, but you put it away a lot. You drink a lot. I, I, probably at least four cups a week. Some Four is, cups some, a week. That's healthy. Some is more. I mean, relatively. Some weeks are more specifically. But weekends. Here's the real test. That weekends. It depends when on if, you, I, if I have to do something. If you don't have to write, if you're just getting up, like you don't set an alarm, you don't have anything to do. You don't drink coffee. No. Those people have a problem. The people that don't aren't tired, and don't need to be alert for things, but still drink coffee. Okay. That's when your addiction may have gotten the better of you. That's that's no, my yes, theory sir. on it. I might do it for taste. Say if I, you know, go out to a diner, you know, on a on a nice Sunday morning, you get some brunch at a, at you know, like Champs, you get a cup of coffee with it. You know, it's just yeah. like it's it might fit the setting, but I'm not there to feed my addiction. You get it? I hear you. That's well said. Do you have anything else to say? I don't. I really appreciate you having me on here. Though. I'm really this glad is, I could get you on. This is awesome. I'm I'm glad that that you have a podcast. I'm glad that people come on your podcast, and I hope you keep going. I hope I I hear this, uh, you know on the top charts one day. This is cool. And you've got the mentality, man. You've got the, or maybe not the mentality is the wrong word. You've got the personality for it. You're, you. you're even keeled. I can understand why people like listening to you. Thank you. So that's it for our show today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, be sure to follow Max's Twitter at Max Merkin, M-A-X-M-I-R-K-I-N. And his Instagram is Max underscore Merkin, the same spelling. Follow Caffeinated Creators on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CAF Creators. And follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Jake Zebley. Signing off saying fake it till you make it. This is Jake Zebley for Caffeinated Creators.